We have found out from Scripture that uh, four times the Bible says the just shall live. By faith. How are they going to live? By faith. By faith. That is the prescribed way to live. And four times it's mentioned in Scripture, which means it's a big deal. And it's something we got to learn very, very quickly in our lives. Um, my goal has been throughout this series is to put a handle on how do you walk by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. But it's important to understand what it actually entails to walk by faith. It does no good to bark at you, live by faith, walk by faith, unless you're told exactly how to do it. Now, my personal opinion, that really is the bane of the modern church. Barking at people, telling them what to do, shouting at them, but not explaining how to actually do the things we're encouraging you to do. So this has been intentionally very practical. We found out that to walk by faith, we're going to have to hear. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. But hearing is not enough. We have to believe the things we've actually heard. And we found out that believing is not something mystical or magical. All it is is a decision on your part to believe what the Word of God says. But then we go from believing to actually saying or speaking or confessing. And all a confessing is is agreeing with what God says about something. If there's sin in your life and He convicts you, you confess it, you agree with what He says. If He gives you a promise, you confess it, you agree with what He says. The reality is that uh, we're all the time saying things. We just want to make sure that our saying lines up with the Word of God. And in fact, it's impossible for you to not live your life speaking and saying and declaring and communicating. But we hear, everybody say hear, and we believe, say believe, we speak. But then it's not enough just to speak. We have to do the things we said we actually believed and spoke. That, in essence, is how you walk by faith. Say hear, believe, say and do. The do is critical. And so we talked about the first level of doing, which represents the foundations of our lives, the, the written Word of God, the plain teachings of Scripture. It, what it means is you and I are without excuses. Something is very plain in Scripture to do or not to do. And yet we're not keeping the foundations. That means we don't believe enough to actually do it. But foundations are not the only thing that you're involved in. Do you know that God's exact and precise plan for your life is not detailed in the book of Mark for you? The principles are there. But God's express will for you is not there. So we're going to have to rely on the Word of God as our foundation, but then move on to understand what He might have for you. Now, the second level of our doing is what we call convictions. And that's where you're doing something you ought not be doing, or you're not doing something you should be doing. And that conviction of the Holy Spirit brings you into a right relationship with God, brings you back to where you're supposed to be. Raise your hand if you've ever been convicted by the Holy Spirit. How many were convicted today? Moving right along. (laughs) But He graciously speaks to us. But we also know that there is an ability in man to become dull and insensitive in that conscience, which is what God uses by the Spirit of God to talk to you about things you're doing wrong or things you need to be doing that are right. And you can also, the Bible tells us, actually sear that conscience. So whatever the Spirit of God is trying to say just bounces right off of you. How many know we have to have our foundations in order and our conscience needs to be clear and sensitive? But the details of your life, not just the big picture of what he has for you in a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, but what he has for you today, those orders for you specifically are not in the written word of God. And they're not necessarily matters of conscience unless you've already been told to do something and you're not doing it or you've been told to stop something and you keep doing it. That third area is what we call the directives of the Holy Spirit or the promptings or the urgings. Everybody say the urgings of the Holy Ghost. 
It's where he's prompting you and urging you and moving you to do something. Now, there are basically just two categories when it comes to the urgings. There are things you're supposed to say or things you're supposed to do. Say it would be things I'm supposed to say or things I'm supposed to do. Now, how do you know sometimes the Holy Ghost will tell us, hey, there are things you shouldn't say. Restraint is just as important as letting it fly. There are things you should do, but there are also things you shouldn't do. So beyond the realm of the foundation, not in contradiction to the foundation, but in consistency with the foundation and inconsistency with, with the conviction of the Spirit of God, are these directives that he gives us as people of God. Because everybody in this room has a call and a destiny of God. I don't care who you are. Preacher, apostle, pastor, that has nothing to do with it. Believer is what it's all about. And so he has a plan. And the only way you're going to tap into that hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, is to understand what the urgings are and get more and more used to listening to and following those urgings in your daily life. You know, we're all works in progress. And I remember um, I was 23. I was in the seminary, the cemetery, the seminary. And uh, the pastor was going out of town and said, well, would you come into town? I was 23 years old and speak. At that time, we were over in the dome over there. And I said, sure. And so I prayed about what I was supposed to say, what I was supposed to preach about. And God did some great things. But in the process of praying about that, the Spirit of God began to urge me about that Sunday night service. And he said, there's somebody there with severe injury to their shoulder. I want you to pray for him. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I was in a, in a learning mode just like many of us are. And I was, you know, clear. I thought I was clear about that. At the same time, I was a little intimidated to walk into somebody else's pulpit and start doing this. I look at somebody and tell them, you ought to obey God rather than man. <laughs> and so uh, very specifically, and so I, I finished the message. And how you understand the Spirit of God began to urge and urge and urge urge over this one specific need. And I balked at it, and I stopped. I was getting ready to close the service. And a Methodist minister, a spirit-filled Methodist minister who had charge of two or three churches in our area comes walking down the center aisle. I hadn't seen him in months. He stands right there, and he says, would you pray for me? He goes, I got this terrible injury in my shoulder. I need somebody to pray for me. How many of you the Holy Ghost is always right? And uh, so I said, okay. So then I was very confident to go ahead and call off the other two things he gave me. Somebody who was blind in an eye. <laughs> Why don't you start big, amen? <laughs> and somebody with heart disease. And do you know that in calling those out, people were there and received healing touches of God. But it all started with learning to obey the urgings of the Holy Ghost. See, you and I are God's hand extended. You and I are, in fact, anointed to do these things. But we're not going to match up with God's timing and perfect will if we don't learn to listen to and obey the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Um, there was a particular day that uh, Kill and I were coming back from, from Gatlinburg, and we would have normally turned a certain way back into Hopkinsville where our home was at. And I felt impressed that we just need to go ahead straight up in on 41 North, and we come across this, this vehicle in our lane, wrecked, and an infant care seat 50 feet in front of the car turned upside down in the middle of the highway. And uh, I go up there, and uh, Leanne James was her name, wasn't it, Kelly? And then Tony was her husband. Um, so we wouldn't have been there. I mean, literally in front of us, we were the first people on the scene. 
And Kelly was very effective in just ministering to this young lady who miraculously, the state police said this car flipped seven times. She started in the far lane going south on Fort Campbell Boulevard or Highway 41 towards Fort Campbell, and we were going north. That thing ended up in our lane all the way over here, and it was just, it was just completely mangled. And I remember stepping out of my car, Kelly went straight to her, and I go walking up to find this, this infant care seat, hoping for the best. And I turned that thing upside down, there was no baby in there. She hadn't picked the baby up yet. Now everybody say, thank God for the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Her father-in-law is a spirit-filled pastor. On a Wednesday, he was about to walk out of the church, and he felt pressed. You need to pray for your daughter-in-law and, grand and grandson right now. And so he walks back into the church, and at the exact time she flipped that card, he was in there praying in the Holy Ghost. She's alive because of the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, thank God, thank God. for the Holy Ghost. So it's important to understand how these things operate, but then commit yourself that when he's prompting you, you have an impression in your heart, you actually do what he tells you to do. In Luke 4.11, the Bible tells us that Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, the living Bible says he was urged by the Spirit to go into the wilderness where he was actually tempted those 40 days and 40 nights. It's important to understand, according to Romans 8.14, that it is the sons of God, they are led of the Spirit. The sons of God are led or directed or urged of the Holy Ghost. To be led really means to actually lead or bring or drive or induce or carry. It's the same concept that the holy men of old were actually carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote the Holy Scriptures that you and I have in our laps today and on our devices. Let me tell you, thank God for the Holy Ghost. How does He lead us? We know, number one, He leads us through the Word of God. The Bible says very plainly, Thy Word is what? A lamp for my feet and a and a light from my path, where to go, what to do, what to say, how to handle this, who to minister, how to minister. The Word of God has a lot to say about that, but it doesn't have the particulars. So the other way that He leads us is through the spirit of man. Proverbs 20, 27 says the, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. Say that with me. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. But pastor, what does that mean? It means that's the part that God lights up. That's the part that he communicates with. He's not communicating with your body. How many, how many thank God for that? He's not communicating with your mind. He's not communicating through your emotions or through your feelings. He is actually lighting up the spirit of the man, which is the candle of the Lord. And that's where these impressions come from. And sometimes they're urgings or impressions or you think something that you know wasn't you. Look at somebody and tell them sometimes it's not you. And in fact... Overwhelming majority of the time, it's God trying to communicate with you. Are you still here? God will illuminate the spirit man as he is a spirit. It's the part that God lights up or talks to. He'll urge us in our inner man. And some it's a, sometimes it's a knowing, sometimes it's an urging, sometimes it's an impression. Sometimes it can be something that feels so strongly in your spirit, it's almost audible to you, even though it's not audible physically. Sometimes he'll just minister to you by giving you some kind of an image, and you'll know that's the path you're supposed to go. I tell you, in these last days, we need to be better at this than ever before. Amen. Amen. Urgings are prompts and directives issued by the commander, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit to the army of God. Let me say this again. The urgings of the Holy Spirit are the promptings and the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to the army of God, which you and I are. 
He literally is the command and the control. One of the first things the military will do, we did this in Iraq in the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War, the first thing you do in a military engagement is cut off their command and control so they cannot communicate with their troops and their forces and their leaders. That's what the devil loves to do to you and me, cut us off from that person that has the knowledge that we need, where to go and what to do. Notice I said he's our commander. What happens when these orders are not picked up or ignored. I'll tell you what happens is the objectives are not met and defeat is inevitable. Shout that out with me. Objectives are not met and defeat is inevitable. Even though we're called to be victorious. Amen. Now listen to this carefully. The Holy Spirit is the voice of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the earth today. The Holy Spirit is the voice of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the world today. He went up and he sent the Holy Ghost back down. And when you ignore the Holy Ghost, who are you ignoring? You're ignoring the commander because this is how he gets his message and his orders out to you and to me. There is a problem in the body of Christ where we have effectively taught people how to be saved. We have not taught them effectively how to submit to the Lord. So when he breaks into your life in the middle of the day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is, that's not a suggestion. If you're not doing anything else. If you're not too busy. They're from the commander. Just because the Holy Ghost doesn't jump up and down and scream and throw a fit doesn't mean that we're disobeying. It doesn't mean we're not disobeying the Lord behind those orders. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Luke said this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, he's doing the same thing today. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He had instructions for them. He's got instructions for you. Amen. In Acts 4.19, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be at the judges. Ouch. Acts 5.29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Say that with me. I ought to obey God rather than men. Say it again. I ought to obey God rather than men. And let me help you out here. You are included in men. You ought to obey God rather than you, not just them out there. Why are the directives uh, given to us? Why are these urgings given? Well, again, generically, to say something or not say something, to do something or not do something. But for example, in Acts chapter 16, we find out the urgings come to give direction to his people. In Acts 16, 6, the Bible says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phyra and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. See what's going on here. The Spirit of God kept them from going there, but led them a different way. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. How many of you couldn't be at two places at one time? Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. 
the directives, the urgings are given to you, not just special people. Can I have an amen? amen. They're given to you for directions and guidance in life. Number two, they're given to meet a need in someone else's life. One of the most amazing experiences you'll ever have outside of leading somebody to Jesus or leading them to the baptism of the Holy Ghost is God using you to meet a critical need in their life. Could be for a prayer. It could be for a demonstration of compassion. It could be a, a material need. It could be for finances, whatever it is. But he was able to get a hold of you and you followed what those urgings were and you met a need in somebody's life. I tell you, I've seen this so many times where we're just minding our own business and God will rise up. And he does this a lot of ways. It may be a phone call, it may be an email, it may be a text, it may be flowers, it may be some food, it may be paying somebody's bill, maybe drop some cash by, it may be paying for their meal, it may be giving them the cash you were saving for something else. And there's nothing more amazing than to know that you heard from God and you went out and did what he told you to do. And that person cannot deny another day whether there's a God or not. I've seen people come to my wife and say, you know, I've been praying about this. I didn't know what to do. It didn't seem like God ever comes through for me. And then, boom, you put this in my hands with tears down their eyes, you know, streaming down their face. They recognize it was God that did it. Come on, say it. It is God that did it. I love those stories. I love seeing that happen. But now you understand, you're not going to have any stories if you don't start paying attention to the urgings. Some of you love the stories that the men and great women of God tell. Well, they're telling those stories because they're actually paying attention to the urgings. Turn to somebody and tell them, you want a great story? Pay attention to the urgings. I'm going to tell you, there's always a great story on the other side of an urging. Always. Somebody's blessed. A need is met. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them. This is Pastor Art's sermon. He'll tell the stories he wants to tell. <laughs> you know, when Brother Osteen preached all those years at Lakewood before he went home to be with heaven, he, he would tell stories over and over again to the point where Joel said one day, look, uh, we're just going to number your stories so that when you feel impressed to tell a story, just call out the number, 4552. We'll laugh and you can go on with your sermon because we all know <laughs> what, the, what the stories are. But uh, just, we're talking about something that's so important to get a handle on this. And as I already told you, I am far from perfect in this even to this day, but I want to improve on hearing and doing. Can I have an amen? amen. This young lady, um, not this young lady, but these two older ladies were in the uh, Cheesecake Factory one time and sent Timothy and I and, uh, to a game. And the next day we stayed over and went to an early uh, lunch, kind of a brunch thing. And these two ladies uh, remind me a lot of Miss Anna. Amen? You could tell there was something special about them. And they were dressed to the hill. There was something special going on. And so I just sit down, and I just ordered my meal, and just we're having a good time. We're just enjoying the things of God <laughs> and uh, the fellowship, you know. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I just hear there's this urging come to me, pick up their meal. Now, this isn't about you beating the drum and calling attention to yourself. That's not what that's about. But they were having a wonderful time. I mean, they were having a blast sitting over there at that table. And there was only about four or five people in the whole restaurant at that time. And so I told their, the, way, the server, make sure you give that to me and make sure that they get some cheesecake if they want some cheesecake. Now, I don't know anything about them. I've never met them in my life. All I know is there are two ladies that are dressed absolutely beautiful. They're, they're older. They're you know 70s, 80s. And uh, they're having a great time. As we're walking out, uh, the lady begins to... Uh, 
begins to you know, move to pay her bill, and the, uh, the server said, well, somebody else in the restaurant's already taking care of this. And she goes, you know, no one's ever done that for me. And here's what she said, and it's my birthday. Is that a big deal? That's just a meal and a piece of cheesecake. No, it wasn't. It was God telling an older saint, you matter to me on your birthday. How amazing is it that the Holy Ghost actually provided the cake that day? Amen. Amen. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And these urgings aren't just limited to, to one area of life. But I want to encourage you, there's, there's always a story on the end of an urging. And we miss one when we don't comply with it. You meet a need in someone else's life. The urgings will be there to demonstrate the glory of God, His presence, His power, and His goodness. He urges you to lay hands on somebody and they get healed. Aren't you glad for God's healing touch? Amen. Um, I was, again, very young Christian. In fact, it was my first semester at Murray State. And I had a friend. She was a Church of Christ background. She loved God and what she knew of the Lord and of the Word of God, but she wasn't used to the things of the Spirit or the supernatural. But she had been a very successful track star in high school and injured herself and could barely walk down the middle of the campus, let alone run down the campus. And I'm sitting there. I've only been born again about six months or so. I'm filled with the Spirit, wanting God to do something in my life. And he says, you know, tell her you're going to pray for her and, you know, get her to agree that you're going to pray for her, lay hands on her. And boy, she, uh, she was agreeable to that. And when I got done praying, she jumped up and ran down the middle of the campus, full speed ahead, speaking in tongues as she went. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's just receiving those prompts. You see, he's the one doing it, and it's his directive. He just needs his people to listen and follow those urgings whenever he's wanting to do something. Everybody say, God bless the Church of Christ. Is God moving? Oh, yeah. One of the most powerful writers in our generation, Max Lucado, recently testified publicly that he speaks in tongues every day. He's writing a book right now on the topic. How many will pray for him as he does that? Say, why? Because these things are for everybody, not a certain organization a certain segment. Everybody on the day of Pentecost received the Holy Ghost, 100%. It doesn't belong to some group. You also have the urgings to receive protection. Everybody say protection. Uh, years ago, I was still in college. My dad was packing, going on a business trip, and uh, put his suitcase in his little Mazda truck. I used to drive that a little bit. And uh, unbeknownst to him, my mom took the suitcase out and put it in the Chrysler, a big, heavy car that they had. And uh, he was like, I'm, I'm taking my truck. She said, you're not taking your truck. I'm taking my truck. You're not taking your truck. He says, why well, I got my bag in the truck. She said, I took it out. <laughs> and literally threw the keys to the Chrysler at him. About two and a half hours, he was hit by a steel truck in Granite City. Had he been in that truck, there'd been nothing left of him. Look at somebody and tell them, you got to listen to the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Uh, how many know mom can hold her own? <laughs> 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 
The urgings are to minister effectively to someone with right wisdom and insight. The urgings are to solve problems, spiritual or natural. The urgings are for bestowing favor and blessing in your life. The urgings and directions of the Holy Spirit shows just how important we are to God's big picture. Turn to three people right now and say, you matter to God. Come on, tell them, you matter to God. But there are some things that the Holy Ghost is not urging you to do. The Holy Ghost is not urging you to sin. That's not coming from Him. He's not urging you to violate the Word of God. He's not urging you in terms of your walk with Him to somehow rebel from authority in your life. That's not Him. And He's not directing you or urging you to become a critic of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You have people now that think they are raised up with a ministry of correction, and there is no such thing in the body of Christ. And uh, they got to have their YouTube channel, they got to have their Facebook page and their TikTok videos as if they're some kind of an authority. And all they do is bite on other ministries, other ministers, and other churches. And that is not of God. That is not the Holy Ghost. Never will be the Holy Ghost. And you got to get a hold of that today. Why? Because if you're going to flow and pick up on their urgings, you're going to have to be in the Word, say, be in the Word. And you're going to have to use that prayer language. And the more you do, you're going to be sensitive to his prompting and more bold to actually do the thing you're sensing from him. But you're also going to have to walk in love if you're going to walk in and following the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Because what Jesus did, he did out of compassion. Everybody say it three times, compassion. Compassion. And just to let you know, uh, God is not raising so-and-so up to be the critic of the church. And I'm not making this up. I'm telling you what happened in the Word of God when God's people, when the disciples got into this hypercritical, better than you, you're stupid, you're ignorant, and we have it all figured out. Listen. In Luke chapter 9, verse 46, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. And he said to them, whoever welcomes the little child of my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes the, uh, me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who will be the greatest. Master, said John, right after the Lord says this, Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Do not stop him. For whoever is not against you is for you. They're not of us, so let's silence them. We don't go down the column and agree with everything, so let's silence them. Because that's our job. But no, he even told his own disciples, that is not your job. In the same chapter, he goes on in chapter 9, verse 53. And they did not receive him, Jesus, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem and he was resolute he was going to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? Can you see the critical spirit behind these stories? But he turned and rebuked them. My job is super critic. 
I have millions of people that follow me on this and I am the right way. Everybody else is the wrong way. Can you see what Jesus would say to that today? He would rebuke them. Not praise them, not affirm them. There is no spiritual gift of criticism in the church, in ministries, and in ministers' life. Are you here today, church? Here's what he said. He, re- he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Our job is to seek and to save them that are lost. Not find somebody's error and be their corrector. Come on, say it with me. Walk in love. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Stay in the Word. You do that, you're going to be able to pick up on those promptings. Listen carefully. Once you go down the path of the church or ministry or ministry or minister critic, once you go down that path, of the church, ministry, or minister critic, you will remain on that path the rest of your days. It could take a miracle on the order of the Red Sea parting to get you out of that mess. It's best not to go in it at all. Because the Holy Ghost is not urging you to be a critic. He's not urging you to come out of love. He's urging you to walk in compassion. Can I have an amen? So it's important to understand he's never going to urge you to sin, never going to urge you to violate the word, never going to urge you to come out of love. He's not urging people to do that, but he is urging you to carry out his commands and his dictates. So how do you prepare to receive these orders? Say it with me, the word of God, my prayer language, and my love walk. Come on, shout it out. If it ain't love, it ain't God. Period. I can give you names of people who have walked down the path of the critic as long as my arm, and you've talked to them today, they're stuck right where they were when they began. One man, God, said like this. He said he was seeking God's face, and out of the blue, the Lord said, you know what the number one problem is in the body of Christ? Well, coming from the Lord, he was interested to hear this. He said, what's that, Lord? He said, it's your dogged determination to correct one another. He said, I'm the Father, I'll do the correcting. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, stay in love. What we need you to do is pick up on things that are emergencies or needs or people need healing or deliverance or provision and guide yourself that way. Amen. Go over to uh, Acts chapter 9. I just want to give you three quick keys for obeying the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Come on, shout out. Thank God. For the Holy Ghost. I tell you, it's a fun lifestyle. Amen. Well, Pastor, does he have urgings for me? Yes. How come I never hear? There could be a whole lot of reasons why you don't hear, but they're there. He's always talking. Amen. Do you know that WPSD TV is broadcasting through our air right now? Just because you're not watching it doesn't mean it's not there. Amen. It's there. Acts chapter 9. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Say Ananias three times. 
The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Now watch this. He's called the disciple and he's responding to the Lord by calling him what? Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show them how much you must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is a story of a man in the early church who is learning to obey the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Was it a big deal for Saul to receive this ministry? Was it a big deal for Barnabas to put him under his wing when nobody else wanted anything to do with the murderer? It's a big deal. Hearing and obeying the urgings of the Holy Ghost are a big deal, and today it's a bigger deal than ever. Just three simple principles. Number one, hear. You've got to perceive what the Holy Spirit is saying. Notice the detail in this story. He can give us the where. He says specifically the house of Judas on Straight Street. He gives you the who. Who are you ministering to? Saul of Tarsus. He tells you the what. You're going to lay hands on him. And why am I going over there? Because he's a chosen instrument. Now, God may give you all of this or just a part of it, but understand this. This is what it means to be urged by the Holy Ghost. Ananias was born again. Say, born again. Born again. Ananias was spirit-filled. Say, spirit-filled. What are born-again, spirit-filled people supposed to do? Listen for and obey the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Because our job's not done. Amen. You hear what he actually has to say to you. Now, this is different for different people, but I will tell you this. If you'll pay attention, there will start to be a pattern in your life as to how God urges you by the Spirit of God. Pay attention to the way that he deals with you because he doesn't necessarily deal with everybody the same way. But you will see some consistency in how he talks to you and how he leads you and how he guides you. You need to, number two, hold. What, mean? what does that mean? It means hold to what God told you and hold in check your emotions and your thoughts after receiving that. How many know Ananias was probably not thrilled about this? What's funny is we're led by the Holy Ghost. He had an open vision, and the Lord himself says, you're to go over here, and he's arguing with the Lord. Uh, he's got papers, God. He's been really mean to your people. As if Jesus didn't know that. I promise you this. When you receive an urging, you're going to think, that wasn't me. That was me. That wasn't the Holy Ghost. That couldn't possibly be God. It can sound pretty crazy at times. That's why you have to have your mind renewed and realize it's not what you're coming up with. It's what he's dictating to you. So you're going to have all kinds of thoughts like, he's a murderer. 
I'm not going to make it through the house door. You have all kinds of emotions. Like, you know, this guy is murdering your friends. Why would you want to help him? Or just be stark, you know, terrified of what's going to happen to you when you get there. I promise you, just like when Jim Hart got healed that night of his, of his shoulder injury in that service, the last thing I was really thinking about was what God's agenda was. All I was thinking about is missing it. Well, look at somebody and tell them, you will miss it from time to time. But you're going to hit it also. And you're going to help change lives because you're paying attention to those urgings. But you're not going to get there if once you have heard, you begin to hold to what other people have said. This is what they said about Saul, and this is what he did. The only thing that matters is what he told you. He told you to go to Straight Street. He told you to find Saul of Tarsus. He told you to lay hands on him. He told you to minister healing to him. He told you to get him baptized in the Holy Ghost. What you heard about Saul is immaterial at that point. Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, you have to put a hold and a check on those. Say it with me. I hear, I hear and I hold. And number three, you heed. What does that mean? You do precisely what you're told to do. You lay hands on him and he will see. He'll be filled with the Spirit of God. And here's the key for you today. The more you do this, the easier it's going to get. Amen. The more you just say, I hear you, and I'm going to do it, don't care about what people think, don't care about how I feel about it, I'm just going to act on this, you're going to see people's lives touch and change, and it will get easier and easier and easier for you. Amen. Are you here today? We have got to hear. Say it, I hear. We've got to hold. Say, I hold. I hold to what he said. Don't think that the devil or even natural people are going to jump up and down and celebrate you being you know, told by God to do something. Amen. It doesn't matter. You need to be excited about being used by God. Whatever it is. Amen. Don't let the fear of missing it keep you from stepping out in faith because faith is required here to do. To do the foundations, to do the convictions, to do the urgings. Faith is required. Amen. But that's where it becomes an adventure in faith. Now, be careful. I'm not telling you to make stuff up. Because God's under no obligation to do anything for things you made up. I've seen people do this. You know, somebody has a testimony that, you know, they had a car and the Lord told them to sow it into somebody else's life. And then next thing you know, all these great things started happening in their life because they obeyed God. So somebody else is watching this play out and they think, hmm, if I give a car away, then all these amazing things will start happening for me. And so they give their car away. And, and guess what they got? A long walk every day. Because he urged the one. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with giving things away, being a blessing to people. What I'm saying is if you're going to operate with that expectation of God's hand in the middle of that thing, then you're going to have to make sure you're receiving an urging from him. Because there are all kinds of voices out there. Amen? But if you'll stay in the Word, and you'll stay in the things of the Spirit, and you will stay in love, you're going to bypass, you're going to miss a lot of those attempts of the enemy to take you down these last days. Amen? Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. What does a doer of the Word do? They, they keep the Word. They have a sensitive conscience. And what else do they do? 
They obey the urges. Pastor, could I be urged to do something today before I put my head down? Oh, yeah. And what are you going to do? That was pretty weak. So I'm going back to my first point. I'm going to preach the whole thing over again because faith comes by. Hearing and hearing by. You want to know what a Holy Ghost church is? A Holy Ghost church is a church that's led of the Spirit of God. Doesn't care about your background. Doesn't care about your experiences. He'll use anybody if they'll just be sensitive to the Spirit, pick up on those urgings, you know, and then do those. Amen. Miracles take place. Let me remind you today, before we close in prayer here in a moment, these are not suggestions. The urgings are the expectations of your Lord. He needs you. Do you remember when uh, Jesus was coming into town? He told his disciples, go find that coat. What do I say? You tell him the Lord has need of you. He has need of you. Well, he can send somebody else. Well, sometimes you're the only believer who even has a clue within hundreds of miles. Now, on top of that, fewer still are those who actually do the things he urges them to do. Have me raise your hand and say, Father, as much as lies with me, I'm going to obey every urging of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to listen, and I am going to do. And then you'll have stories and testimonies and see God do wonderful things in your life. It's truly marvelous. Amen. Praise God. Everybody say it's wonderful. Everybody say it's wonderful. It's glorious. It happens in ministry. It happens outside of ministry. One Sunday afternoon, we had service still over in the dome. I was praying, and I was in the middle of a series and thought I had just a stem winder of a message. And let me know if the Holy Ghost doesn't uh, you know, get to lead, guide, and direct services, then all you're stuck with is what man can do. Sing a song, have a prayer, hear a sermon. doesn't change anybody. Can you believe that he would come to me right before service and say, set aside your message? Yes. Huh? But Lord, doth now thou not know how great it is? Hast thou not read it? <laughs> Knowest thou not how much your people need it? <laughs> Man, I'm telling you that uh, he wasn't buying it. Okay, so, so what am I supposed to do then? He said, you read every narrative about when people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and then you open up the altars, you're not going to lay hands on them. He said, I'm going to meet them from one side of the church to the other. I'm going to fill them with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, like a chain reaction. And he said, now, get up there. And when it was time to do it, he said, now stop and, and pray. And they did. They came down from one side of that dome all the way across. And all I did was, just like I'm talking to you right now, I prayed you know, that he would fill them, that he would ease the baptizer. And that's what happened. Just like crack, you know, firecrackers. Boom, 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 boom. All the way across. And that night it was 35, 45 people like that baptizing the Holy Ghost because he had an agenda that was different from mine. And I promise you, day by day, often he has an agenda that's different than yours. 
Now there's one old boy, he made up his mind, he wasn't going to receive. I know why he came down. Uh, he's a businessman in, in town, this area. <laughs> and uh, he basically said, you know, hell would freeze over before he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, I thought that's a great attitude to have. <laughs> Got anything else you want to share? And I just uh, felt impressed for him to, to lay hands on him. And I did. And he just burst into tongues like he'd been speaking in tongues his entire life. He doesn't care what your background is. In that room last night, Episcopalians that night were, you know, Baptists and Methodists and, and Brethren and classical Pentecostals and Charismatic, every background you can think of. And he had, he had an agenda that particular time. Amen. And that doesn't mean that's not his agenda all the time. But that night, there was a special grace, a special dispensation. And if we, his spirit-filled people, aren't going to listen to him, then who is? Who in this dark world, who is going to pay attention to the voice of the Holy Ghost? Say it with me. I am. Come on, say it again. Say it. I am. Say it again. Say, I am. Amen. Come on, give me a hand clap and thank him for it.